Hello, adventuresses, and welcome to the podcast dedicated to women who love horses, travel, and most of all, adventure. My name is Heather, and I'm here with my partner, Uta, today as we celebrate um, a very popular uh, holiday in December in uh, most of the world, Christmas. Um, so as we get ready for all of the chaos of turkey and ham and presents and Santa Claus, uh, Uta and I thought this would be a great time to talk about some horsey Christmas traditions. So good morning, uh, Uta. How are you today? Good afternoon, Heather. Yeah, it's afternoon for me here. I'm in Germany at the moment. So I'm really in the Christmas spirit as well. It has started, it always starts like kind of uh, you know, the last days of November into the first days of December. We've started all the Christmas markets here and we got some snow yesterday. So it's a little white. It's not too much of snow, but a little bit up if you, if you kind of ride up in the hills. Um, I rode today this morning, my horses, and it's like was really lovely riding through the kind of white powdered landscape not quite heavy snow but um, at least you know it looks different um, when there's a bit of snow down on the ground and yeah we are in the Christmas mood already and we thought of talking about some Christmas traditions around the world because um, there's a lot of tra uh, horse traditions actually or horses involved in some of the Christmas traditions and um, yeah I mean Christmas is around the corner and we thought uh, we can also give you a little bit the spirit of Christmas in the podcast here. Perfect. Well, it's um, you got a little snow. We got a lot of snow. Um, Chris, winter kind of snuck up on us. We had quite a nice fall and then cold and then snow. And right now we're in one of those polar vortex where I am here and, and it's it's super cold. Um, no riding for me uh, right now because it is too cold. My horse has his big heavy blanket on to uh, give him a little extra protection uh, from the cold. Uh, our winds um, can get pretty nasty. Uh, we, I think I saw on the news last night, um, it was going to be like minus 38 with the wind chill this morning. <clears throat> Pardon me. So, um, you know, I, I have his big fluffy blanket on. I, I did see he's ripped it a little bit already. So only three days on, but you know, such is life with horses, right? So yeah. I think let's head to the show to talk about happy times, Christmas time, Santa Claus, uh, and presents and horses. Exactly. Let's go. We are explorers. We are trailblazers. We love to do what cannot be done. We love to test our limits, cross borders, and we love the freedom horses bring us. We seek lands without fences. Who are we? We are equestrian adventuresses. We are a community of women who love horses, travel, and adventure. To infinity. And beyond. And now your hosts, Uta and Heather. Today's podcast is sponsored by Stone Horse Expeditions in Mongolia. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to visit a distant land? Ride across unfenced grassy hills, down long flower-filled valleys, crossing rivers and mountain passes, making camp in beautiful riverside setting, and watching the horses graze in nearby meadows? all while sipping a glass of wine or perhaps a cup of tea just as the sun goes down. And then do it again tomorrow and again for days at a time. Stone Horse Expeditions in Mongolia with their easygoing yet tough Mongolian horses, each with an unforgettable character, may be just the trip you were looking for to help rebalance in pristine nature with like-minded friends after a long absence of travel.
Stonehorse provides a safe, small group environment, taking care of your needs from the moment you arrive till the moment of departure. Their seasoned staff and experienced trip leaders, their own comfortable handmade saddles, and the delicious meals conjured up each night will make for an adventure of a lifetime. With a combined expedition experience of 40 plus years, the owners of Stonehorse know what to provide you to make each trip a memorable experience. Whether traveling with friends or making new ones along the way, you will add to the story of Stonehorse and it will become a part of your own. You can contact Stonehorse through their website at www.stonehorsemongolia.com or email them directly at info at stonehorsemongolia.com to learn more about how you can join them as they travel by horseback through the cultural and wilderness landscapes of this enchanted land. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you're uh, getting your presents wrapped and your horse treats baked and uh, your all of your stories ready to uh, share with your families about all of your traditions. Um, so, Uta, now you, um, you know, there's some, some really... Uh, beautiful stories of uh, Christmas in the European culture. Why don't you share some of those with us? Yeah, let's start with a beautiful tradition, which basically comes from the Low Countries. And that's basically the figure of Saint Nicholas or Sinterklaas, as he's called in the Netherlands and in Belgium. And he traditionally uh, appears uh, around... Yeah, I mean, the festivities begin around mid-November or beginning of December, and he, uh, Santa Claus, supposedly arrives by steamboat. Um, uh, he arrives from Spain, that's the tradition, and uh, he uh, always arrives in a designated seaside town, and um, then usually it's it's different one every year in the Netherlands and he will arrive in Antwerp, the, in Belgium, the, the big port city, and he rides a white horse. So on the white horse and the class will parade through the streets. And there's usually a lot of singing Christmas carols. And, uh, yeah, it's a big event for these towns. Um, he comes to the biggest cities and the, and the, uh, smaller towns as well. And yeah, people just flock there. Um, they have this kind of gathering together they sing songs um santa claus rides on his white mare to the town and the whole event is even broadcasted on national television and it's quite interesting because we in germany we don't have this tradition that's that uh saint nicholas which uh, usually the saint comes on the 6th december um we also have the tradition that he brings presents in germany but he doesn't ride a white horse but in germany who rides or who rides on a white horse is saint uh St. Martin, and he comes on 11th of November riding a white horse, a white mare, and he was a guy who shared his coat with a beggar. Um, I think it's a biblical story. And uh, yeah, we reenact the story. St. Martin comes every year to some of the, in some of the places in Germany, and he rides on a white horse, and usually the children flock to him. It's usually in the evening. And everyone carries lanterns around. So it's very pretty. Sometimes you have a little, um, orchestra like we had this year we had a little um we had a couple of people with um you know with trumpets and uh trombones and somebody had a drum so they played some songs and they were just you know leading around the village and in the end there's usually they they gather at a place where uh some of the women they would prepare hot tea and uh some you know some some bakery some sweet stuff for the kids so they would have something warm to eat and drink so it's very very traditional um 
in Europe to have or a lot of these traditions still involve horses. And I always enjoy that a lot, particularly if there's still a horse involved, um, which is, of course, not always possible. But I know in some of the places like in our village as well, there was I think they didn't ride a white horse in our a gray mare in our village, but they rode a black pony. But it doesn't matter. That's the spirit <laughs> which counts. Exactly. Well, in, in Canada, because it traditionally is colder, um, and, and North and Canada specifically not being as old as, as Europe, um, we normally see at Christmas time the sleigh rides, the hay rides where, you know, a team of horses pulls a wagon, um, you know, and the wagon is full of straw and, you know, you, families hop in and you can um, sing songs and, you know, go through, you know, the whole jingle bells, uh, Christmas carol kind of uh, theme. Um, and it's really a lot of fun. Um, you know, there's, there's a, in the area that I live in, there's a, a couple outfitters that have um, some really beautiful Clydesdales um, that pull, pull these wagons. And, and lots of times, um, the different little towns will have their like Christmas festives where, you know, Santa will arrive in the sleigh and then you can go for a sleigh ride, have a visit with Santa, maybe have a, a cup of hot chocolate or some cider. There's always a Christmas or orange in, involved in all of it, some candy canes. And, but really, you know, when you, you know, even on a cold day, if you're, um, in the sleigh or, or in the wagon, um, you know, and you, you huddle down underneath the straw, it is quite warm. Um, and it's always, uh, kind of fun to spend time with family and friends and, and, uh, you know, go, you know, and everyone, the, the, and lots of times now, because depending on the level of snow, if you have a sleigh, there needs to be a, you know, a significant amount of snow for the, for the sleigh to actually slide across the snow. Whereas lots of them have kind of transferred into, um, a wagon style with wheels. So you can, so it's a little bit easier if the, if the snow isn't as deep or if you have to, uh, take a, an alternate route if there's down trees and those kind of things. The area that I live in isn't very, there isn't a lot of forest. So um, when you go for a wagon ride, sleigh ride, it uh, traditionally is one with wheels, <laughs> but, but it is, uh, it is a fun thing. And I do always associate going for a hay ride, a wet ass sleigh ride at Christmas time. Um, you know, I remember as a, a child, um, my my grandpa hooking a little sleigh back to the behind of the tractor and taking us for a little ride uh when when it you know if it was if the you know horse wasn't available or something so yeah. um often um the sleigh rides or or wagon rides um if you go into the mountain area like in the rocky mountains in banff national park they have a really fancy hotel there that offers um you know romantic sleigh rides at christmas time for for couples and it's a quite a common place for people to get engaged kind of thing so i think that would be pretty romantic to go out on a sleigh ride with your partner and they propose to you and you have those photos of you know, you get the best of both worlds. You get get a a partner, and you get to spend some time with horses. So, um, yeah, th those I are mean, you're in a romantic mood in the slate, right? So, I think mm -hmm. it's a good way of proposing to your partner if you want him or her to say yes. That's right. Now, growing it's a way to win a girl's heart, <laughs> right? Now, now in India, um, 
being that it is traditionally a Muslim culture when they don't celebrate Christmas so much, yeah, the Hindu culture, uh, the, the yes. Hindu culture, um, do they, is there anything at this time of year that, um, that would do sleigh ride or well, I guess it's not cold there. So no sleigh, but uh, yeah. wagon rides. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, in Indi- I mean, of course, the tradition of Christmas, Christmas is a holiday in India, um, because uh, we have a small uh, Christian population in India, I think it's about 2% of the population is Christian, actually. So uh, Christmas Day is a holiday as a national holiday, actually, 25th December. And of course, the traditions, the kind of, not the traditions, the traditions haven't really arrived, but what has arrived is a commercial aspect, like the big malls that have Christmas trees and Christmas lights and the Santa, Santa Claus and Father Christmas. And people do wish you Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, but it's more the commercial aspect. Oh, okay. And because, I mean, a lot of Indian people live in the United States or in Canada or have relation, uh, relatives who live there and uh, who live there and maybe have returned. So, of course, Christmas is an item. Um, it's They know that how it's celebrated also from the movies. And um, so, yeah, a few people kind of have some decoration and uh, they may, you know, go to the mall on 25th and enjoy their free holiday. But people don't really, it's a predominantly a Muslim and a Hindu country, mostly Hindu. Then uh, there's um, a big Muslim population as well. So they don't celebrate Christmas the way we do. But as I said, if you go to the malls, you have a kind of Christmas spirit in the sense of that there's Christmas decoration and there's some Christmas songs uh, played on the radio or, you know, in public places. But Otherwise, there's no snow, so it's very difficult to for us to get into a proper Christmas mood because without snow and cold, I don't really feel like Christmas. I know for Australian people, for instance, they always have heat for Christmas. They might feel differently, but um, for me, it was always very difficult to be, to really get into the spirit. Right. Uh, funny you say that about Australia. I was in Hawaii once at Christmas, and they how they you know they present instead of Santa coming in um, on a sleigh with reindeer, he comes in on a surfboard with dolphins. So, okay. Well, um, and and really how cold it is to, today. I wish that I was in Hawaii, and I would celebrate Santa with his surfboard and his dolphins over some uh, reindeer today. But one um, one tradition that both you and I. Uh, happened to come across um, is this really interesting story that comes from South Wales. Um, So so back in the 19th century, the tradition featured um, a real horse skull, usually decorated with colored ribbons and rosettes with with glass bottle eyes. Very interesting. The Mm. low the lower jaw is fixed on a spring, which shuts the mouth with a loud snap and brings the creation to life. Uh, a long white cloth is draped from the carrier, which hides it from view. Um, occasionally, the head was made from wood, um, sometimes even paper. And um, there is a story that says around 1935, a group of boys in Swanessee used a pillow, but the horse's head was characteristic. The same horse heads uh, tended to be, um, sorry, the same horse's head tended to be used annually, for it was buried in lime to preserve it every year so and dug up in december so it's a little bit creepy but um so the the actual celebration is called uh the maori lude um in terms of celebration itself the custom used to begin at dusk and often lasted late into the night into the night during the ceremony a 
a party of usually all men would carry the Mari through the streets of the village singing and dancing. The Mari does not hunt alone for depending on the area and the amount of people in the party, uh, she can be joined by an array of other characters named Punch and Judy. Um, and they would go, you know, through these villages singing, um, carrying on, drinking, all of those kind of things. So I think, you know, it was probably, it probably originated with a group of men um, that, you know, hey, let's go, um, instead of Christmas caroling, let's go carry around a horse skull and think we'll be funny. And it turned into a tradition and uh, they have, con there was contests. Um, uh, it was, it says, alternatively, the Mari party might sing one last verse before an, an entrance into a building. Once inside, the entertainment con continued with the Mari running around, neighing and snapping at jaws, creating havoc and frightening the children, while the leader pretended tried to restrain it. So again, I, I believe that this story probably reverted around some men that drank too much and thought this would be really funny. But uh, it's been carrying on for many years. Um, I, I do like the idea of it, you know, it being decorated beautifully. Um, so, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because, I mean, in Wales, you probably, ha you have this, um, uh, Rhiannon, this Celtic horse goddess. And so it's probably a kind of ritual which, kind of started uh, as a kind of uh, ritual for um, in her honor. Uh, no one really knows where it comes from, but um, there is a lot of Celtic history in Wales. And uh, I mean, the, the Celts have had a lot of rituals around horses. If you, uh, if you uh, think of Epona, the, the horse goddess and Rhiannon. So um, the horse definitely was a very important animal and, um, yeah, that probably originated in very early times. And apparently the church didn't really like it very much, this tradition, because, yeah, a lot of alcohol was involved. <laughs> yeah. And uh, apparently it starts very early in the morning, like at two o'clock, and it really continues all through the day into the next night. And uh, yeah, well, as I said, lots of alcohol. So um, the churches uh didn't like it and bit by bit the ritual really um became yeah well basically was not you was not um put in practice anymore and uh, only now during or after the second world war is that people kind of uh yeah they think of these old or they remember these old um traditions and slowly kind of revive them i guess and uh, so there's a couple of villages you can still see this merlude I'm not sure we're really uh, pronouncing it correctly. I think Celtic, Scottish, Wales is so difficult, Irish to pronounce it for us. But yeah, it sounds really like a really interesting, like a kind of Halloween, yeah. uh, Halloween Christmas or something. But actually in Germany, we have a similar, not quite the same. There's not really a horse involved in it or just, yeah, not really. Um, the nights between Christmas and New Year are the darkest nights of the year. And this time also in Germany has a very special name. We call it the Rauhnächte, which means basically the rough nights or the cold nights, the icy nights. And in these nights during this, uh, in this time when we have such long nights and such short days, people everywhere around the world believe that spirits and ghosts that they come back and haunt the earth, right? And that, um, these, these creatures, they are a little closer to us than during the rest of the year. 
that sometimes they come back on earth, that they haunt people. Uh, there's a lot of tradition, for instance, in Germany, people in the olden days believed not to, never to wash any clothes during these nights or hang them outside. You were just not allowed to do that because they were scared that um, this would attract these ghosts and uh, spirits and that they would come and haunt you. <laughs> so oh, yeah, it's a very, very special time. So actually... Um, there's a lot of uh, old traditions associated around midwinter, I guess, uh, kind of keeping in, in in the lines with ghost stories and stuff like this. So I think it kind of originates there that particularly during this time with these long nights that uh, all kinds of crazy spirits and ghosts, they just come back on earth and, uh, you know, haunt the living and that we have to, yeah, kind of it, it, not attract the attention. <laughs> The, the not doing the wash probably started with some some mum going. I yeah. do not feel like I doing laundry tonight. want to have a tonight. couple of days off. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, so what can we? Yeah. Exactly. What can we think about? Yeah. Let's let's do it. Uh, make it into a ghost story. Right. That people are kind of uh, deterred and then we from won't working. Have to do laundry. Yeah. Exactly. No, no laundry. I'm, no no housework. Nothing is. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to start that. <laughs> Yeah, why not? That sounds like a good plan. I mean, mostly people anyway, you know, during Christmas, we do a lot of cooking. So there's not a lot of general work going on anyway. So right. it's, a t it's still a time of rest of festivities in a way. I mean, not really rest because if I consider when lots of families come together, your right. parents and grandparents come, there's not really a lot of rest for um, anyone. But at least that's a time where kind of people go back uh, to the roots, meet the family, um, don't really like kind of have a break from normal life. So that's actually kind of um, the tradition pretty much everywhere. But yeah, I mean, still in Germany, people, um, they put on all kinds of funny mass particularly in southern germany and they are trying to frighten away all these ghosts and spirits by wearing these very dreadful big masks on their heads oh, that's so <laughs> and then funny going around the village so now yeah. as we as we wrap up our christmas episode um yeah one, one second you... i have one more interesting oh, oh, um, um actually I have two more interesting traditions i came across one is connected to the 26th of december and that's saint stephen days uh, and saint stephen of course is a patron of uh, the the patron saint of farm animals so for instance in norway um, Norwegian people, they, um, they celebrate this day. Uh, they have a very special ritual and they're watering their animals, particularly the horses. So according to tradition, horse owners who want their horses to be healthy, fast and strong should draw fresh water for each of their horses on St. Stephen's, on St. Stephen's Day morning, which is in 26 December. A similar tradition, by the way, uh, exists as well in the Ukraine where horse owners would place a silver coin in the horse's drinking water on the same day. So um, that would actually bring the herd's prosperity. And of course, that's very important if you have horses as a means of livelihood to keep them healthy and strong. And then there's one more very interesting tradition I came um, across, and that's a tradition which comes from Russia, from Belarus, from Ukraine. Um, the, Yuletide, the Yuletide period that period between Christmas and New Year and basically 6th of January, of January um, and the three holy kings are coming, um, of course, is has always been regarded as a very special time also for divination. So um, it's a time, as I said, long nights, uh, the kind of division between our world and other worlds is very weak during that time. Uh, there's a lot of ghosts and spirits. And this is also the time where you can try to divine the future. And in these countries, there's a, there's a, 
there's a ritual to predict whether young girls are getting married the next year or not. So a girl Ooh. would basically sit backwards on a horse, on an unsettled horse, whose eyes are, are covered with an apron. So um, the girl would take the horse's tail and observe in which direction the horse is heading. So if the horse moves towards the gate, it means the girl would basically get married soon. Uh, but if the horse moves away towards the fence, it would mean that no one would attempt to win her affection this year. Now, the good thing is horses usually move towards the gate when they know there might be food <laughs> waiting or something. So I'm not quite sure that this has always uh, been very uh, accurate, but I really uh, loved reading about this tradition. And apparently it's still some of the, in some of the rural areas, this is still a kind of, um, outing for the girls you know they gather in a group they have a good time and then they they perform this ritual by sitting on a horse backwards and enjoy enjoy the time together i mean basically these are all rituals uh girls coming together young people are coming together having a good time and these rituals they kind of give them a reason to do so so um i know that in many of the cities these rituals these traditions unfortunately are getting lost but in the countryside and in some of the villages they still survive and it's so nice to see all these kind of you know, olden days rituals, traditions, mm -hmm. which people have always observed for centuries are slowly, are still there, still being observed at times. And even though, of course, people probably don't believe in it anymore, but right. it's still being done. Well, there, there's, there's so many traditions that, you know, the, you know, you catch the bouquet at the wedding, oh, you're going to be the next one to yeah. get married or you, you know, there's exactly. some, I think if you hold a, a, a coin or a string over a woman's uh, belly, it'll, if the string goes back and forth or in a circle, one's going to be a boy, one's going to be a girl, all of those. And then, and you know, sometimes it, it you're right. It's just a, a way to bring people together with a common interest and uh, super exciting. Um, one, one last thing I want to share at Christmas time. Do you give your horse an extra treat, an extra carrot? Do you whip them up some molasses oat cookies uh, do you buy them anything? Do you are is there a gift under the tree with their name on it at your house? So I usually buy a big sack of carrots or depends. Yeah, I get carrots in winter and they all get a, like a portion of carrots for a little treat. Yeah, my uh, my guy, he likes carrots. He's not an apple fan. Um, and if you've had carrots if you've touched carrots in the house and you go out to feed him, he knows he's has like the, the super scent, you know, his, he's got the best sniffer out there, but yes, Christmas morning, there's always maybe, you know, a little quarter extra scoop of oats that goes in his, in his pail or, um, uh, you know, sometimes the little tack shops they have, uh, at Christmas time, they'll have like, uh, horse stud muffins, I think they call them. And, and they're like little molasses, hard bait, you know, there's oats and flax and, you know, they, they look to be about the size of a cookie. Um, but yeah, they, he, he does enjoy those as well. So. I bet everyone yeah, gets like a this, happy Christmas. Exactly. Like this, everyone knows that there's something special, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's lovely to keep the animals in the loop and to also, you know, uh, bring them something extra, give them a little extra treat on that day. That's what I also do. 
Yes. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Uta. Happy New Year's. Have a safe and happy holiday season. Uh, I wish all of our listeners Merry Christmas um, what, or and, and really all of the holidays that are celebrated in December uh, for all the different cultures, all the different uh, nationalities that we have. Uh, however you celebrate in the month of December, we, we celebrate with you. Um, and hope you enjoyed uh, hearing some of our stories today. Exactly. Yeah, same here. I also want to wish you a very, very happy Christmas time, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, of course. I mean, we'll have more episodes coming for you till the end of the year. I think uh, both of us will still do another one. But yeah, we thought to to put this episode um, not too close to Christmas so you all can hear it and maybe enjoy these little Christmas tradition um yeah while being in the spirit for christmas so yep you all have a great time and yeah see you talk to you soon thanks so much for listening to our podcast today on behalf of uta and myself we do look forward to you joining us again soon if you like the show make sure you hit that subscribe button so you will not miss any new episodes in the future if you'd like to give us some feedback or suggest a topic for a future show, send us an email, message us on Facebook, or simply leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. The greater, rev- the greater reviews we receive, the more like-minded people can find our show. And don't forget to check out all the great things on our website, equestrianadventuresses.com. That's where you're going to find all of those packing lists, uh, all the old podcasts, as well as if you are looking for a Christmas item for a fellow e- Uh, fellow equestrian that's the place to check it out because our goal is to simply provide you with all the information you need to feel confident to go on your own equestrian adventure so merry christmas happy new years have a safe and happy holiday season uh, from my home to yours Um, and until next time happy trails